0: Hey, this is Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA. Join us right now for MMA FanCast.
1: MMA Here are your hosts, Jim Mooney and Luke Payson. Welcome back, welcome back. As you just heard, we are MMA Fancast. My name is Jim Mooney. My podcast partner is Luke Payson, and we are continuing our series of Red vs. Blue, where we cover uh, Dana White contender series. This episode, we're going to uh, talk to the main event. Um, I believe it's the Blue Corner. Uh, his name is Steven Regman. Steven fights out of New Jersey and out of uh, Killer Bee Gym. We got a lot of questions for him, some interesting background that, that Luke and I have already picked up on Steven, and we're going to go ahead and get right to the questions and give you all the lowdown on Steven. Stephen, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing pretty well. I actually right. just got back from a, a bike ride, so I'm uh, just eating and trying to relax and cool off a little bit. So is that a, a mountain bike? No, it was actually it was a, a race bike pretty much oh okay but it was the roads by me are pretty smooth so i could take it out on the road
1: oh cool all right so we've got you listed at nine and three overall this uh this fight that you have coming up uh, which is week four fighting at middleweight 185 pounds you're ranked number seven in u.s northeast and number four in new jersey now there's a couple little side notes to those rankings and i'm going to let Luke, get into that, but Luke, you know what, why don't you go ahead and just go with that question.
0: Let me ask you about your weight, and something else that comes up. your last fight was September 14th of 2018, um, and you won by knockout in fact all Four of your last fights, you're on a four-fight win streak, are all TKO and knockout wins, uh, which is great. But you fought at middleweight, but you weighed in at 179. So what was going on in September that you took a middleweight fight where you won by knockout? Congratulations! But that you weighed in at 179.
2: So that fight against uh, Will Santiago was originally supposed to be at at welterweight, 170. I actually uh, got down, yeah, I actually got down to uh, a London City at uh, I think it was 177. And I went in to start cutting weight in the sauna to hit the 170, and my opponent uh, was in there. He actually told me that he wasn't. I guess he's been in the sauna for maybe an hour, and he wasn't breaking a sweat, and he was 181. So then I just kept cutting weight. Um, I got down to like 173, 174. I was, you know, my, and then my manager called me back and basically said to stop cutting weight. That we're going to cut it at. at we're going to fight at a catch weight. And that's when that's when the whole thing got switched around. So I actually had to eat and drink so that we're both in the same uh, weight limit. I think the cash weight ended up being one eighty two. So I ended up just eating, and then I was one seventy nine when I ended up weighing in again.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, but I did check because of the because of how light you were. I did check that to, at least for what's online. The Dana White fight um, here in a couple of weeks is at one eighty five. Correct. Yes, it is. So, so have you balked up are are you comfortable fighting at one eighty five
2: I'm comfortable fighting at one eight five I walk around at about two hundred pounds so'm i'm, oh, I'm okay. definitely comfortable yeah i'm not I'm definitely comfortable fighting at uh at one eighty five obviously one seventy would be ideal, but for this fight, they needed somebody for one eighty five so I said why not
0: well, and let's jump into that a little bit um. We're, we're doing this series where we interview people, blue versus red corner on the, on the contender series. And we're always curious. Um, it sounds like you were approached by the contender series UFC people and that they kind of had uh, a mind that they, they had already decided that you need to fight at 185. What was that conversation like as far as getting on to the contender series?
2: Well, my, uh, my management, I believe it was the Philly UFC card, the Philly, <laughs> Philly UFC card. And my uh, management was trying to get me, uh, which was Sucker Punch. Um, They were trying to get me on the contender. So I was at the fight. I wanted to get on 170. But uh, I believe the matchmaker said that if I wanted to get on, they needed somebody to fight Uh, Antonio Arroyo, who was on the Brazil Contender Series. He won, but by decision, they didn't sign him. So they said, we need somebody to fight at 185 against him. So if he wants to get on, he can get on, but he has to fight at 185. And then my gotcha. managers asked me and I jumped right on.
0: That's also great behind the scenes as far as you being eager, eager to take this fight. Now, another question I have you last fought September. There was a canceled fight on your list in January. What's kept you out since September?
2: There were multiple canceled fights actually. Oh uh, okay. there were about uh yeah, there were actually between just rumored fights and fights that were actually scheduled. There were probably about five or six of them that I was supposed to do, and then they got canceled because the guy either um, couldn't make weight or the, guy, like, or the guy got injured. For instance, I was supposed to fight uh, um, Spicely um, right. on CES at 170. Um, then I hear three weeks before the fight, his manager called my manager and said that Spicely wouldn't be able to make weight, which was strange because it was three weeks away from the fight. So then right. they went to go up to fight at 185, and I said, listen, I'll fight him at 170, but I'm not fighting him at 185. Um, so then that fight kind of got scratched. He ended up fighting somebody else at 185, and then I think he fought a couple more times, and now he's back in the UFC.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. There's always something going on, and I think people that listen to our show don't necessarily know that at the regional level, even if you're high ranked, like you are at the regional level, getting fights, particularly the higher ranked you are, Uh, We've heard that several times. Getting fights gets harder. Fights that drop out or fall through get harder. And that's one of the reasons why, besides it being the UFC, is the UFC has power to, like, make people get fights. So that's exciting. And what is – and this is something that if you look back – on your record, your last loss, which was quite a while ago now, um, was to Mike Wilkins. I actually know Mike Wilkins. I used to coach him um, in college when he was a track athlete back when he was eighteen. So I actually know Mike. So it's kind of interesting that you lost him, but you lost the decision. But you weighed one sixty. Were you cutting way too much? Is that kind of what was going on back then in your career?
2: No, that fight was actually a catchway. I was supposed. Uh, that was another fight. I was scheduled to fight. I forgot who I was originally scheduled to fight. But before Mike Wilkins I went through four or five other opponents before oh. that Mike Wilkins came in and that was probably like a week and a half before the actual event. So then they asked us to fight at a catch weight. Oh. And then that's not gotcha. fight for him at a catch weight, but at the same time, I was in the process of switching camps from my old oh. team to my new team and I was just not in the right I shouldn't have taken a fight. I hate pulling out a fight, and right. whole—I didn't get hurt. I just literally didn't do anything that whole fight. Yeah, yeah.
0: So
1: you didn't get beat up. Yeah, right. I get you. No, not at all.
2: Uh, not at all.
1: Go ahead, Jim. Jump on. Jump on. Yeah, I, I wanted to stay right there with uh, with the catch weight, and not necessarily a weight issue, but you—you you said your uh, normal walk around is like around two hundred. Ideally, you'd like to fight at welterweight, but I noticed that a majority of your fights were either at 155 or a catchweight near that, which seemed to be like a large portion of your fights early on. And, you know, the the two recent ones were catchweight or middleweight at 185. That's, you know, jumping a, a whole weight class up, skipping welterweight. Like Luke mentioned, was there a reason why you jumped up? And I, I know you mentioned 170 would be ideal, but going from 155 to 185 is pretty significant.
2: Well, I I'm a a lot of people told me I was a big 155er. I never even when I hit 155 and when I fought down that low, I was never like delirious or anything. And when I was fighting at 155, I was walking around around like 180. Um, so I wasn't walking around that heavy. But I ended up moving up from 155 because I couldn't get any more. I was having a hard time getting fights at 55, so I moved up to 70. Then at 70, I was trying to get, I think I had two fights at 70, and then it was just a long time or just a lot of people kept back out of the fights so that I moved up and I took some fights heavier.
0: This brings me into a question I want to ask you, which is about your camp. You currently train out of Killer B camp and talk to us a little bit about the advantage of training out of them, and then also if you cross train at any other gyms and kind of who your coaches are. Because one of the things that I think fans don't understand is that you enter a cage alone, right? We know that MMA, you're a single guy in there um, entering alone, but you have that camp behind you. And when you were talking about going into the Mike Wilkins fight, you shouldn't have really done it because you were between camps, and that kind of that throws you off, and that doesn't give you the best uh, that doesn't give you the best training that you need. So. What what took you to Killer B? How's it going? How's that camp? And do you train anywhere else?
2: Well, what took me to Killer B, I was training um, in Woodbridge. I was just doing some cross training somewhere in Woodbridge. And Carl and Brian Wright actually came uh, to the gym. And then they knew I needed somewhere to go or that I was looking for a gym. Then I started training with Carl. And we kind of just messed. Carl's a striker. Um, I started as a striker. So we kind of... We were banging it out as far as sparring and, you know, MMA, and we, we liked the way each other moved, we liked the way each other trained, and it was just a, a great fit.
0: So that is the direct connection to why you have rattled off four knockout stoppage wins, right? You would give that, the fact that you found a coach that works with you striking, that you're comfortable striking, because you've gone pretty much on a striking finish tear. So is that kind of the connection that you make to change gyms, you've got the right people around you, and then bang, you, you rattled off four in a row?
2: You had the right people around me. I also um, wouldn't that much rather finish a fight. I'm always, whenever I go into a fight, I'm always looking for the finish, whether it's a knockout, submission, referee, stoppage, whatever. I'm always looking for the finish because, once again, you see it all the time in all high-level uh, fights between boxing, MMA, or whatever, even kickboxing. Where somebody can get beat up and then the judges give a wacky scorecard number. So I I would hate to lose that way. Actually, my first pro fight was that I thought I've been told by a bunch of other people that I completely won the fight by losing my my pro debut by a split decision. So ever since then, I was told myself I would never like to lose that way again or win by decision because you never know what the judges are gonna say. So I would much rather win by a stoppage. I'm always going in there to uh win by a stoppage. But yes, my, my coach, my new training partners and everything, it's it's definitely a great uh, fit. We also go over to uh when we can we go to Henzo Gracie's in the city. Um we just recently started going to uh Daniel Gracie in Philly with uh you know Sean Grady, Paul Felder, was over there last time, you know, a bunch of good guys over there as well. Um and, you know, we just Wherever we can go where people are willing to train and, you know, give us good rounds and just sparring rounds, grappling rounds, wrestling rounds, we go because we're always trying to get better. And also, Carl has his fight coming up also a couple of days before mine in uh, uh, UFC in Sacramento. So we're both getting ready for fights.
1: I want to jump back to uh, the mention of your opponent. Your, your opponent, Antonio Arroyo, has already fought on um, the Contender Series. And that was that was last year. He won by unanimous decision. There was a fight. Uh, I don't know if it was uh, week two um, already for this season, where um, one of the fighters Dana felt like he could um, he could have gone for the finish, but uh, but he did not. Uh, I don't know if that was the main I'm, event. But, I know exactly
2: uh, what you're talking about. No, yes. that was
1: the bill. That was the bill. Algio. That was the bill. Algio fight. That's right. That's right. The that bill. Algio fight. Right, right. You So he made the comment that you know he's looking for a finisher. He he even said that he he felt like um, that guy was going to be in the UFC, just not right now. So your opponent, he had the chance to fight before Dana. He won by unanimous decision, and having heard you know what Dana said, um, commenting on that fight, and then knowing that Dana likes finishers, does this give you any insight into your opponent at all? Do you see this as an advantage, either towards you or him, with him having already uh, fought uh, before Dana in the UFC in the contender series last last season?
2: I think he has the advantage to the point that he's already um, been on the contender series. I've also fought in of Dana's been to one of my fights before when he fought, when he signed um Jared Gordon from CFFC, he was doing looking for a fight. I was possible on the same card I won I, think, I, I believe the fight was against Dave Marfone. I won by a knockout. So I've already fought in front of Dana, so it won't be the first first time. Um, as far as does it give me an advantage, I'm always looking for the finish. I think mean, you know I hit harder than Antonio. I think my cardio is a lot better, and I'm just going to keep coming forward and go for the finish.
1: To get a little bit of your background, going back as far as, as you can recall, um, what drew you to MMA, um, whether it was as a kid, sports you were involved in, and what's gotten you to this point?
2: Well, I prefer to stand I started martial arts when I was 12 years old. I started fighting when I was 13, and before I started fighting, so I saw one of my old uh, instructors' um Michael Murray fighting in uh, I believe he was running combat years ago back in uh um Atlanta 30. and I went out to watch the fight the MMA fight him winning by right? i think a triangle but I went out to watch the fight and you know I thought to myself I like oh, you know that looks pretty interesting you know I would love to try that sometime so then so I start pick things up pretty quickly I started fighting uh amateur kickboxing uh thirteen mm-hmm. and after the first fight, I was like, this is pretty cool, you know, and let me try another one. And then here I am now, you know, over between amateur and pro, kickboxing, boxing, and MMA, you know, I have at least 80 fights uh, total. Wow. Um, I've won nine titles, and now, you know, I've been just waiting and waiting and waiting to get my chance, and wherever I fight, whether it's kickboxing, MMA, or you know, boxing, I've got knockouts everywhere, because I hate going to decision.
1: You mentioned uh, all those fights. Uh, obviously, that's a mix. Is that uh, BJJ or grappling tournaments?
2: No, all of those are all um, either kickboxing fights, boxing fights, or I've done, I have done jiu jitsu tournaments, though. I've done playing jiu jitsu tournaments, Naga, Grapplers, Quest. There's, there's, there was a bunch of others that I've done um, through the years, but I've definitely done jiu jitsu tournaments as well. I prefer standing and striking as okay. a form of a finish just because it's more exciting for me. I know the crowd loves finishes, so that's, that's oh, yeah. my preferred way. I have no problem going to the ground and I'm winning by sub. I have a couple sub uh, victories also. i some high-level so, jiu guys.
0: So, Steven, here you, are, here you are waiting and waiting, like you said, and, and obviously you deserve to be in the UFC. I, I think your four wins show that, and I'm glad that you're getting this opportunity and you're a headliner. I mean, it's, it's really exciting stuff. But from a motivational standpoint, um. I know as a coach, when I coach people, motivation is very tough uh, because some people just lose motivation. You know, So how do, you, how do you stay motivated and hungry to keep putting the rounds in? Because like you said, you're training all over the place. You're putting the rounds in. You're getting better, you're getting better. But you haven't been able to show your skills since September 14th. What has that drive been like? What's kept you hungry since September 14th?
2: What kept me hungry is the fact that the guys I'm training with, they're in the UFC. They're in PSL. They're in Bellator. And seeing how I fare up against them, how well I do, I know that I should be at that next level. Whether, you know, I should be in the UFC. If I'm going with these guys and I'm doing well, then I should be in it. There's no reason why I should be in it. Actually, my last fight after I fought Will Santiago, I, you know, once the camera got in my face, I called out Dana White. And I said, listen, you know, I got nine wins, eight finishes. You like finishes. So, you yeah. know, what's up? <laughs> what are you waiting for and now i finally got my chance
0: yeah that's great now we know from interviewing some previous guys that you get four passes as far as fans go because the apex the they you Ape- apex is kind of a closed gym for this filming it's not it's not you know it's not designed for fans to attend so who are your four who, who are you taking with you as fans to vegas
2: I didn't even come up with that yet. I had a couple of friends, couple, uh, a couple of <laughs> buddies who, you know, would want to come out. Um, sure. it's still trying to get off of work. I know for a fact that uh, Carl Ro- uh, Robertson is going to be out. He's going to be in my corner. Brian Rice is going to be in my corner. Um, gotcha. Sean T. may or might not come. Uh, he's just going to figure everything out with work. Um, and then whichever of my other friends want to go out. But right now, well, I'm, I'm- I have the tickets. I let them know that. I'm just yeah. like, not focused on going there and uh, knocking
0: out Antonio. Oh yeah, yeah, that's your focus. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to bring it up. Like, you, know, oh, no, no, I know. you don't need fans there. Yeah, no, and that, that, and actually, as a fighter, you pointed out what's more important. And I know having fans there, we talk about how Donald Cowboy Cerrone loves his grandma and having her in the crowd, but real and now it's son Danger. But realistically, your corners matter. And so yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. What what type of advice or what type of comfortability do you have with those two guys you mentioned in the corner? Because MMA, and this is what I always say about MMA, MMA, there's many ways to win, but there's also many ways to lose. You know, There's so many things. We've seen plenty of MMA fights where a person is, is doing great and then they get caught by something because it's just so dynamic. In boxing and obviously you've had tons of boxing experience, there's a lot that can happen in boxing, but there's only two weapons. So no matter what happens, there's only two weapons, whereas in MMA there's almost limitless weapons. So what's it like having the experience of these guys and what's a situation where you can really depend on them and maybe is there an example in one of your last four fights where you really felt like like having them in the corner mattered to you
2: it it is a good feeling having these guys in the corner um actually my last fight when i fought uh will santiago he ended up catching me at one point with like a hook i think i knew it was the only shot that he really caught but he hit me in the eye which is a legal shot it was actually a punch but he must've hit like a nerve or something. And my eyelid kind of just like dropped. And I just really couldn't lift up my eyelid. So I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure he hit a nerve. So when that happened, I didn't know what happened. I just thought my eye started to blow up. And, you know, I started moving around the cage, trying to get my eyesight back, trying to lift up my eyebrow, my eyelid actually. And then after a while, my coaches, I'm pretty sure my coach yelled out, you know, listen, you know, you got to (laughs) throw, you got to throw. So I figured if it's, if it's done to close up, I might as well go, you know, go big now before the second round and at right. least hurt him or at least do something. So then I pretty much was just like, you know what, let's get going. And then I started going after them. And then shortly after that, the knockout, the jump knee, kicking, in the knockout came.
0: That's a great example of not only the, the corner and the value of having a, a corner that you trust that you can hear, but also um, realizing that in MMA, and, and this happens, you know, in any combat, but MMA, there's no timeouts and there's no injury. You know, like in football, you get injured, you you come over to the side, they have a team of doctors to get you better. And if you can't go back in, you still get paid millions and you, and you play another day. But in MMA, there's a lot of times where finding a way to win, even injured, is valuable. And you have that experience, which is great. So I think that's about all my questions. We'll bounce it back to Jim. I, I think you've done a great job kind of staying focused even in the interview you know keeping it focused on you want that win you want that finish you're there and and you're hungry it's been months since you last fought. and i i I guess my last comment won't be a question just be a comment that it is so important to have that confidence that comes from training We, we were interviewing another guy and he was talking about how sometimes uh fighters in the gym they get overconfident you know because they think oh i'm the best i'm the best but then when they fight it doesn't, it doesn't come out that way, you know, and they're kind of like gym heroes. They're people that look great in the gym, but they don't put it together. And obviously you're the other way. You're, you're, you're in the gym, you're in there all the time. You're looking great against these UFC guys you train against, but you just want to get out there and get your opportunity. And I do think that that's the weird thing about regional MMA. There's so many guys that are already at that next level and they just haven't been given their opportunity. So I think it's been an honor to interview you and I can't wait to have you on after the, after the fight, we'd love to get you back on to talk about your experience out there and whatever happens in the fight.
1: Thank
2: you very much. I'm looking forward to it.
1: Hey, you know what, uh, Steven, I do have, uh, before we let you go, I do got uh, one or two more questions for you, and it, it's surrounding your experience. So you mentioned before uh, multiple fights, lots of experience with uh, the kickboxing, the boxing, uh, obviously the MMA, and fighting for a number of different promotions, combat sports promotions. With all of that behind you, what, what kind of advice could, <clears throat> could you give somebody who, who feels like, you know, they may have what it takes, but what's going on for them in the ring, um, whether it's uh, actually during the fights or training, doesn't seem to really be coming together. What kind of advice can you give to um, you know, a fighter who's looking to get over the top and position themselves to, to get noticed by UFC or Bellator?
2: Patience hone in your horn your craft, find out what you're good at and get good at that. You have a lot of guys who for instance, you have guys like Max Holloway, Tony Ferguson who who can do all kinds of stuff striking, they can roll, yeah. they do funky, you know, techniques. But they've been working in this stuff for a while. That's their style. You have these guys now who are trying to do what they do. Don't try to be another Tony Ferguson or another Max Holler. Don't try to be another one. Just be you. Figure out what you're good at right. and hone in on your craft. Do that and stick with it. That, that's really that's really all I can can say to that. And those guys who are, try, you know, amateur trying to go pro, I would say get as much amateur experience as possible because right. once you go pro, nobody cares about Take your amateur back. experience. Yep. Get all your mistakes, get all your mistakes done do all your kickboxing, all your MMA. I don't care if it's, you're doing it for a year or if you're an amateur for, you know, five years. But then by the time you go pro, you know you're ready. You're ready. You have the experience behind you because you got these guys who rush to go pro just to say if they got their pro. They may win up their first couple just because off of just sheer, sheer, sheer um, like just power or aggression. But once you start fighting people who are good, they're going to get destroyed. And I've seen a lot of people get their hopes and dreams crushed after their first loss. They're like, you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, get your experience, and then you know, once once it's there, you know, then you know, take that path. Do you
1: think that the uh, the promotion itself, uh, like CFFC or LFA, do you think that they play a role at all in um, your career moving up uh, the charts, so to speak? Is, Is it beneficial to stick with one? Organization, or um, would you recommend going to a couple others for I don't know if if, if it's exposure, you know, if, if they can do that for you? I was just curious, you know, what you thought about that. Um, we have uh, the, the reason I'm asking this is you know one of our friends runs a uh, uh, a promotion and he's trying to uh, push fighters, and I I I personally feel like it's a benefit to do that if that promoter has a genuine interest in seeing you move forward and, and featuring you and, and finding you the right fights, not just uh, like, you know, uh, marshmallows that won't, aren't really yeah. anything but pad your stats. I see both sides, but I was just curious, you know, coming from a fighter standpoint, what do you think about that?
2: So racking up a couple wins in a promotion that's known to have a lot of guys come out of it, go to UFC or go to Bellator or PSL, whichever one. Um, it does play a role and your, I guess, you're getting to the next level. At the same time, I've, I've seen guys, you know, you, you can win five in a row or six in a row, you know, be undefeated in an organization, but I've seen guys not get called to UFC, even after going undefeated for, like, years, because they're not finishing fights. Yeah. So wherever you go, make, make a splash wherever you go and just wreck people. It'll, it'll come. Somebody will start, you know, right now, everybody's got their phones out. You know, yeah. people are always recording stuff. You know, once you have a crazy knockout, you're just finishing people, people are going to recognize you and they're going to start remembering, yo, I remember last time when this guy was in the fight and then he finished this guy this way. And then somebody else may remember you finishing somebody else over here. You know, It's gun to get around. So my main my thing is, you know, it can help at the same time. If you're in one of those organizations and you're not really making a name for yourself or making a splash, then that's that's all you're going to go. You're just going to stay in that one organization, or you're not really going to go that far. So it's,
1: it's really uh, a twofold um, where the promotion helps, but obviously what you do is really what's going to get you to, to the top. And like Luke mentioned, once that door shuts behind you, it's just you and your opponent in the ring. And and now it's yes. all on you to either put up or sh- shut up.
2: Put up or shut up. Yes. Yeah. And then the caliber of guys, you still have to, you still have to fight good caliber guys. The guys who are undefeated, who don't want to fight certain people because they either want to stay undefeated or, you know, they may have a harder fight. Who's next? And like, Oh, well, I'm just trying to get the UFC. I'm trying to get on belts. I'm trying to get on PFL. Well, if you're not ready to fight these tough guys on yeah. this, regional circuit um, Then there are these guys in these uh, UFC or all these other organizations, big name organizations they're way better than these guys. Sometimes they're oh, way yeah. better than these guys on a regional level. So if you don't test yourself here, you're never going to know You mm-hmm. make it cold or short notice fight to the UFC, next thing you know you get destroyed mm-hmm. And then you're like, wow these guys are really good. What's going on man? I thought that was good. Well guess what you didn't really test yourself
1: if you're not testing yourself, what's the point of even stepping in? I agree with that 100. percent And that really hey. goes for um, really any sport that you're gonna or a- endeavor that you're gonna take on. You know, if if your heart's not in it, why even why even bother? Because you're just taking up space or time for somebody else that uh, that might want that opportunity. Exactly. All right, Stephen. It it is certainly a pleasure talking to you. Appreciate both Luke and I appreciate the time that you're oh, yeah. with us. We know that you've got a lot going on. Um, you've got to focus on a big fight coming up. We certainly wish uh, the best for you and the best possible outcome for that fight. So all you people listening to this, you can catch Stephen, Steven Regman, on the Contender Series. We did mention that is week four, and um, he is featured as the main event fight. It is for uh, middleweight. It is a middleweight fight. So don't forget that. I believe that is July
2: Sixteen. Uh, 16th. 16th. sixteen. Okay.
1: Yep. Uh, definitely get behind him. I think uh, you're going to like what you see. Check back in with us because after that fight, we're going to um, try and catch up with Steven again and uh, get his takeaways from that experience and hopefully talking about um, a new contract that he received from Dana and all of his buddies at the UFC. So for myself – And Luke Pace, we want to thank you for listening to us. That's it for Pitt. We are MMA FanCast, and have a good day.